Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. It was an extremely busy first hour. That will continue in hour number two. We got a couple of great guests coming up for you. Welcome back to Sports 56 Mornings on this Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, their floor model sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Hour 2 of the program also brought to you by the great folks at James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick, and on the web at gaddisjewelers.com. Looking at a pretty nice day today. Sunny with a high getting up to 62 degrees, and then some showers come in tonight, more showers tomorrow. The rain will be there throughout the day. Chance of rain at about 70%, and then the cold, and I mean the extreme cold is coming, and the possibility of that four-letter word snow for Sunday night into Monday, just in time for the holiday Monday. So uh, I'm sure people are looking at that. They're shaking in their boots, and they're starting to prepare. Get ready for the onslaught of bread and milk to be purchased at uh, Kroger or your neighborhood grocery store. Well, Michigan is the national champions in college football. They knocked off Washington on Monday, and there is a couple of local connections to the Michigan Wolverines team. One of those connections is a guy who was a punter and kicker at Collierville High School. He started his career at Mississippi State, transferred to Michigan, and probably the right decision as he is now a part of a national championship team. His name is Hudson Hollenbeck. You can follow him on Twitter at Hollenbeck underscore H6. He joins us now from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hudson, thank you for joining us. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much, man. It must have been a hoot just to be a part of that and and to watch that team and see them win that national championship on Monday. Kind of put this into perspective for all of us who watched it on television to be there on the sideline to see what was materializing with your team. Man, it was so cool. Um, I mean, even going back to the the Rose Bowl, um, just seeing our team be uh, such a huge factor and and you know what this what this uh, year has, has come about like the 2024 season. Uh, what a year to do it! You know, before the 12 team playoff, um, to really make a statement for ourselves and uh, seeing JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum, all these Michigan legends just do their thing, and uh, it's really a blessing to be a part of that team. You know, so I'm very flattered that uh, I, I can be named as a national champion. It's really cool. What uh, what was the celebration like? Oh, people are just going nuts, man. Uh, you know, we we really have a, a, a brotherhood established within the team. So uh, everyone's really, really tight. So uh, it just meant really, uh, a lot to us, really. Everyone uh, had a lot of fun together. Um, we were just playing for each other, you know. What Was there a favorite moment in the celebration? I know I've seen a picture of you holding the trophy, kissing the trophy. Like, was there a moment that it kind of, that you, you'll like, that, that will be that moment that you'll always remember? Man, I think it's just when that clock hits zero zero. I mean, you know, you're 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 watching the game and you're and you're really into it, and then uh, the clock hits zero zero, and you see all your teammates around you rushing the field, and uh, it's like, wow, man, I, I really get to call myself champion and the part of this team, and you just it kind of hits you in a different way. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really, really cool. I'll never forget about it. I'll be telling my kids one day. Um, I'm keeping a whole bunch of stuff from the season this year. I got hats, shirts, and stuff. So. 
those will be treasured away for sure. Did you did you pick up some of that confetti and put it in your pocket? Uh, yeah, not only did I do that, but I also have my rose still from the game. I'm going to try to keep that as preserved <laughs> nice. as possible. Uh, we got some rose petals and, yes, yeah, some confetti too. So, so, yeah, I tried to get everything I could. While you guys were, were celebrating the Natty on Monday night, they were going crazy in Ann Arbor. I saw the video. So when did you get back to Ann Arbor, and is the craziness – has it pursued? Is it continuing? Have they have they called off classes? What's going on in Ann Arbor? For goodness sakes! Yeah, no. I've, I mean, there is. Uh, we have a street called State Street. Um, it's a pretty long street that goes throughout Ann Arbor. Um, it's like one of the main streets, and that whole street um, in the main part of the city was was flooded with people when we won, and there is people just going absolutely insane. Um, never anything seemed like it. And then we did get back, get back to Ann Arbor on Tuesday night around seven. And when we came back to our facility, um, from the buses, uh, we were met by a thousand of our fans on our practice field. And, uh, we had this little, uh, parade invite, parade inviting event. So we had all these guys out there and coach Harbaugh was up on the, on the balcony of our practice field and, um, said thank you, and so did the other players too. So yeah, it's still going crazy. It uh, it actually just snowed too right now, so I think it's going to calm some people down a little bit. But it's definitely going to be talked about for sure. For now a cl- long time. classes are probably not probably haven't started yet, right? Uh no. So they so they did uh, yesterday. I oh, they did. Go to class here in about an hour. The um, you mentioned going back to the Rosewood. Obviously, this game at the end you. You guys knew you were winning it. <laughs> it was you got to watch that clock tick down, right on the sideline in overtime. That last play that Alabama's running, like what was it like watching that unfold and then getting that, seeing them get that stop? Man, it was it was a heavy moment for sure. Like it was so hard for me to watch that. I mean, and and not with any doubt in my mind, but it was just such a huge moment, man. You know, coming off a a two-year uh, CFP losing streak in the semifinal um, to making a stand against Alabama. It was just such a big deal, and, and everybody, you know, is so bought into the season. And um, this is this is like the moment that we really came for was was to was to win on a game like that in a situation like that, last second um, stand against Alabama. Man, it was it was really 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 deep, um, but we did it. And when we did it, the moment. That that happens, I mean, you just go insane. You, you're like, holy! I can't believe this actually happened. <laughs> well, and now, like, you, unless things end up changing, who knows? But you can say that you were a part of the last game of Nick Saban's career, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe that either. That was seeing him retire was unexpected. Um, but man, he he had one hell of a career. That's that's to say the least. So you're from the Mid-South. You know all about Southern football, the SEC. You started at Mississippi State. You transferred to the Big Ten. As right. people look at college football, they look at SEC and Big Ten as the, the, the major conferences, which they are, and then there's everybody else. What was the difference, and what has been the difference in playing at a Mississippi State, being a part of that team and being a part of the SEC? And I know you redshirted, but that and now going to the Big Ten. What's football like in Big Ten country, especially in an institution like Michigan, the all-time winningest football program? Right. Um, man, I would just say it's a difference of the people. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff um, that makes football really cool. Like, you know, you have today, modern, modern day, where there's really cool facilities and there's 
and there's really cool, you know, all these bells and whistles that I guess everyone wants in, in football. But I guess what you don't really get um, is a good coach like Coach Harbaugh. Um, man, he's he's just uh, he's a great guy. He, he's kind of the one who's uh, the uh, bread and butter to all this, you know. Um, he establishes a team where, you know, everyone loves each other. We're playing for each other. Um, he treats us like his own sons, man. So it's like it's like he's this big figure, but in, in reality, he's just a normal dude. And he's really humble, um, and he wants to win. He likes to have fun. And he loves to win, um, and that's something he really puts together in this in this football program. And, and uh, all you really need is your teammates, man. You know, your coaches and your teammates. As long as you guys are close together, you're playing for each other. Uh, you know, it's not much more much more to ask for. And I'd say that you know that's probably the hugest part of you know um, coming from Mississippi State to to uh, Michigan, because uh, I think there's a lot of teams that are, you know, not as not as well well off as Michigan is. Sure, in that sure. So yeah, that in the um, cold, that in the cold, big differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cold <laughs> up here. Yeah, it's actually there's actually probably about I don't know five inches of snow outside right now. It's, wow. It snowed that... last night. It's gonna be it's gonna be snow. It's gonna be negative one in a couple of days. Can't believe that either. So uh, yeah. So, so so tell us how how do. Kind of take us through your journey through Mississippi State. And how, how, why Michigan? How'd you end up at Michigan? Yeah, I I would say that's just kind of a, a story that God put together. You know, um, there, I've been through a lot in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. um, before Mississippi State, uh, my mom got really sick with stage four lung cancer. She never smoked a day in her life. Um, so you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of question in that. You don't really right. know what's yep. going to come of of that. Um, ended up going to Mississippi State. Uh, I did kind of want to stay closer to home, uh, so that's I, well. Obviously, that was my biggest offer, but I also wanted to stay close to home, um, so that kind of worked out. I, you know, I came home on the weekends. I saw my mom. Um, didn't really know how how I was going to play football with that happening at the same time. Unfortunately, she passed away, um, but she's always still with us. Uh, when she was sick, she had some of her cancer cells biopsied and uh, given to the cancer center here in Michigan. Um, which was pretty cool because when I entered the transfer portal at Mississippi State, um, Michigan was like the one school that was like, you know, really standing out. All these, I knew exactly what I wanted to see um, within a coaching staff and a player environment um, when I entered the portal. Like what I wanted to get out of it, Michigan was it. So everything kind of just came together, and you know, now I'm playing at a college where my mom's cancer cells are be using to change uh, Great. Wow. the cancer world today, and. Uh, you know, I, I really can't say that um, that's anything other than God's plan. You know, uh, my mom had all my mom always had a saying: uh, "Mutter stars," um, and it, it goes like two two men sat behind prison bars. One saw the mud on the ground. One saw the stars in the sky. So, um, mm. what what's your choice on the outlook? You know, like what are you going to do? Are you going to sulk and look at the mud, or are you going to keep pressing on and look at the stars? So I just tried to do that best, and honestly, you know. Uh, winning a national championship doesn't get much better than that after, after you know, going through all that all that uh, hardship and yes. adversity. You know, it's She's... a blessing, and and uh, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It's it's cool how things work out, and I'd like to say thank you to my mom up in heaven right now because I know she's definitely working some wonders for me. No question about it. She's looking down at you. We had Eli and I both have had the fortune uh, to have met your mother, and uh, we know your dad, and. Uh, just great people. Yes, what she did, um, her her whole story was inspirational, but with courage through cancer, our friend John Neal and everything that she was involved with with that, she certainly yes. um, was, was a true inspiration and 
put up a heck of a fight against a horrendous disease and and and, and as you said with things that she's done and everything else still making a difference for others today to try and help those and, and yeah. it, it is absolutely great absolutely absolutely all right so we have to ask you hudson about coach harbaugh the rumors swirling with all these openings uh, yeah. in the nfl has uh, he indicated anything about i am definitely returning has he been mum what's the situation no uh man uh, i guess the only thing i can say is we'll we'll, we'll see <laughs> um you know he's i can just tell you what i know he's got a lot of family here this is his alma mater um he did just win a national championship um i mean there's there's a lot to come back for um but just knowing him as my coach he's got a he's got a winning team as we like to say you know he likes to win um he's he's really he's really about winning so um you know he's coaching the nfl before um brought his team to the super bowl so you know the only thing that i can imagine is he, he wants to go win another super bowl um or win a super bowl if you will um so you know i i really don't know i i hope he doesn't leave uh i think he's a great coach i want him to stay the rest of my time here he's a he's a great guy not only is he a great coach but he's a great friend he's a great family member that we had with him that michigan football program so yeah i mean i really i'd say well i don't know the 70 percent he stays 30 percent he leaves okay well, what take one th- one thing we know, uh, nobody has it better than he does. Yeah, no, that's, that's for nobody, sure. <laughs> nobody. What that's what right. what is your situation as far as the kicking position there and the and depth funny. chart and going yeah. forward in your career at Michigan? Yeah, um, I think I have a really good opportunity at it. You know, I'm I'm still young. That's kind of the thing you got to do is you just gotta you gotta earn your earn your right to play. Um, I, I would say that I'm in a good position for it. Um, I'm behind a guy right now who's uh, a freaking stud. So shout out to Tommy Doman. He's really good. Um, I'm learning a lot from him right now. Still have three years left to play. So hopefully in the near future, I will be able to do what, what exactly that. I've been working hard for it. Um, it's going to be a really good offseason. Um, so we're, we're going to put in some work and see where it, see where it takes us. But I, I feel good about it. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And, and then finally, of course, uh, what would be an interview with uh, without a, a Michigan person without a uh, you know discussion about uh, everything that went on with the signs and the stealing of the signs right. and all that controversy? It seemed like it was Michigan against the world, right? If you weren't a Michigan alum or a Michigan fan, then everybody was rooting against you. Certainly Monday night, and certainly in that semifinal against Alabama. So you guys Absolutely. probably used that as a badge of honor. But but what was it like uh, with the, all the accusations, and, and then obviously what came to light from that whole scandal during the season? Right. Um, you know, I'm I'm just a player, and stuff kind of just happened. Um, I can't tell you that I was very involved in that. You know, I'm I'm a backup punter. So, uh, I, I try to do my job and, and keep a smile on my face and stay out of the way. So, um, but but you know, I I don't really think that you know people people in media are going to say whatever they want, and I think a lot of people are kind of just making up stuff. A lot of people don't like Michigan. Uh, they don't like Coach Harbaugh, and it right. really baffles me because Coach Harbaugh is a great person. And he has earned everything that he got. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I guess the whole Connor Stallions thing. You know, the, you know, we were watching film of of other teams, but we were doing it legally. And I guess that there was one situation where Connor Stallions was involved with 
uh, Central Michigan or where he was there or something. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't, I didn't get the full story, but I did see a, a potential picture of him on the sideline. So people got really upset about that. But right. you know, a lot of teams are doing that. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't really get that. But um, I do know that at the end. Um, of the season, Ohio State was getting into lots of trouble with, you know, these iPads and and film leaks on them and 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 something going along with that. So I think it turns out that Ohio State was trying to cover it up for themselves. Um, you know, that's coming from a Michigan person. You know, Ohio State <laughs> there's no bad blood between Michigan and Ohio State, is there? There's a lot of espionage going on in this rivalry. Yeah, wait, wait. There's a, there's there's bad blood between Michigan and Ohio State. I've never heard about that. But right. listen, they, right. they no, we, we we don't like each other. <laughs> they they can't take away your experience. They can't take away what uh, you guys accomplished. I mean, they may try to do it one day, but you are a national champion, Hudson, and uh, that's so great, especially for for Memphis. Uh, and, and if I'm not mistaken, is there not another player? Excuse me, that played at Whitehaven that's on the team, or uh, Germantown. Germantown? Germantown. And what's his name? Cody Jones. Cody Jones. So congratulations to Cody Jones as well. So two local players, former prep standouts, winning a national championship as part of the Michigan Wolverines. Hudson, thank you so much. We don't want to make it late for uh, your your return to school, to return to your classes, but we wish you nothing but the best. And again, congratulations. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much. Go Blue and go Dragons. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Hudson. Hudson Hollenbeck, Michigan punter slash kicker, who starred at Collierville High School. You'll follow him on Twitter at Hollenbeck underscore H6. Good young man. Great family. Great family. And certainly, yeah, what his, um, obviously, the tragic uh, situation with his mom and, and cancer, but, but yeah. boy, she certainly was an inspiration and made a big difference um, with a lot of folks in her time and, and continues to make a big difference as well. It'll be NFL... Super Wild Card Weekend. Two games Saturday, three games Sunday, one game Monday, plus all the basketball that's going on in other sports. And that means you need to stock up with treats from Dinstals. Dinstals, fine candies and chocolates. They've been making them in Memphis for over 120 years. Pick up some of those delicious chocolates. How about the Cashew Crunch? Perfect for football playoff games, basketball games as well. Got the cold coming in, got the snow coming in, so stock up today. Head on over to one of their five locations, Laurelwood, Germantown, Cairoville, Pleasant View, or downtown Memphis. Making your favorites for over 120 years, 122 to be exact. It's Dinsel's Fine Candies and Chocolates. When we come back, Dane Bradshaw will join us. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, Back to Sports 56 Mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. We have been focusing on the football world, and understandably so, with the huge news Yesterday, Nick Saban retiring, and then this morning, all signs pointing to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots severing their relationship after 24 seasons. 
for Belichick and seven Super Bowl championships. But there's more than just football. As we talked about earlier, the Tigers surviving UTSA in overtime last night. But the last 48 hours in college basketball, one has gone down, two has gone down, four has gone down, or yeah, three has gone down. Five has gone down. One, two, three, five. The only one surviving so far is Connecticut at number four. They may find themselves the defending champions number one before too long. So it has been crazy in college basketball, and the SEC season is off to a wild start as well. We are very pleased to be joined by our good friend, the former Tennessee Vols star, White Station standout, SEC Network basketball analyst, Dane Bradshaw, joining us on the program. You can follow him on Twitter at Dane Bradshaw. We had a we had a crazy year last year, Dane, in college basketball. I think we're going down that same turnpike, and I think the SEC could be wild and wacky as well. Hope you're doing well. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, I'm great. And with all those breaking, all that breaking news in football, you wouldn't hurt my feelings to postpone me to next week. So thanks for keeping <laughs> your commitment to me. But uh, we'll distract people. There's plenty of time for the saving, uh, saving talk and Belichick. But yeah, it, it's been wild, man. Um, and you, you sit there and you think you've got a good feel on some of these top teams yes. because there have been some really good non-conference games, whether it's the Maui Invitational or, or just good matchups to improve their strength of schedules. And, you know, But the other part of that is that there's more film out there, there's more tape, and more teams can say, hey, this is exactly what this player can and can't do, and this is exactly what won't work against this team. And so I think that's where you, you see a little bit of that right now is just uh some of the game plan and strategy and look of course you got you got young college kids that can just have an off night every once in a while too sure. catching teams on on a bad night your alma mater tennessee very impressive with what they did to Ole miss that was at home last night they go on the road to mississippi state ziegler and connect were great they didn't get much help and they lose there um, I think you're. I think that this Tennessee team with Ziegler now getting back to form is good enough to win it all. How good do you think this Tennessee team is? Yeah, and Mississippi State's really good. I was yep. worried about this game for Tennessee because I know Chris Jan showed his team last year um, that they had Tennessee on the ropes, and it took a remarkable effort by Zakai Ziegler to get that road win for Tennessee against a really gritty Mississippi State team, uh, despite the rosters being a little bit different now, and so. Uh, the, the Bulldogs did enough in that first half. Uh, they didn't handle the press too well in the second half, but they, they did enough to build a lead and sustain it. And then Tennessee getting in foul trouble down low with uh, Adu, I thought specifically re- really hurt them, that uh, Mississippi State's big man, Tolu Smith, with the key bucket at the end of the night there. But, yeah, Tennessee, yeah, what you love about them is their defense. And even in a loss, you saw what a guy like Dalton Connect can do. Um, uh uh, it was 23-24 or so that he had in the second half alone after a quiet first half. And that's that's what Tennessee fans are saying, this is the missing piece. Because Tennessee fans are saying, we have a great defense. We know what Barnes can do. We should get a really good seed for the NCAA tournament. But when we go on these scoring droughts, who can get us out of that? Just go get us a bucket on his own and make a play mm-hmm. without having to be set up by an assist. That's where most of the guys are. And you have that, you're starting to see that evolve in Dalton Connect. And he's typically done it against the best, whether it's North Carolina or out in the Maui Invitational. And then, as you alluded to, Zakai Ziegler getting more and more confident as well. But uh, you look across that roster, and there's a couple guys struggling with their confidence right now that, that they need uh, to get back to full form. And, and that's Santiago Vescovi, the fifth-year guy that used to be in you know, option A and now having to adjust to you know, getting his shots as option C, D. Um, and then a, a 
and then Ganey, who's the transfer from USD Upstate, who came in as a shooter and just been struggling to find his stroke lately. Ole Miss bounced back nicely from that loss at Tennessee, their first loss and their only loss this season, to beat up on Florida last night. 16 blocks by Ole Miss in that game. Uh, they weren't getting a lot of respect despite being undefeated, and they had the win over Memphis, which was a real strong win at the Pavilion. Uh, and, and of course, it didn't help their cause going to Knoxville and, and getting clobbered. But the way they played last night, how good do you think Ole Miss is? Yeah, I, I think they are legit. And even I, I was on the Tennessee Ole Miss call, and as much as Ole Miss was just getting thumped by Tennessee, I thought it spoke more to the ceiling that Tennessee has than it did Ole Miss not being for real because of what what you mentioned. They, they've had you've seen them against Memphis. They might not have had the toughest schedule yet, but when I saw them in shoot around, seeing the athletes that they have, yeah, they, they've got they've got a few weaknesses here and there, but they've got more strengths than weaknesses, and, and one of those strengths is Coach Chris Beard. So, yes. didn't surprise me a ton to see them bounce back, have a short memory, put Tennessee behind them, and that's that's a that's a really strong win to put up over a hundred on a on a really good, well coached Florida team, and just the bounce. Uh, that they have, I think they had four guys in double figures going into the game. I think they, you know, I, I believe three guys averaging right at fifteen or more. So that that's the type of balance, balance you want offensively. And and then you mentioned the blocks; they got two seven footers out there uh, protecting that rim. They're, they're not great post threats on the offensive end, mm-hmm. uh, but they do enough defensively, and they've got help on the offensive end to where they they don't have to be relied upon. But I, I think this is going to be. Probably a bubble team all year long, but I, I see them getting in the tournament. And, and actually, I had Chris Beard as my preseason coach of the year because I didn't think the cupboard was bare. Mm-hmm. Even though only three guys were returning, I knew they were well coached by Kermit Davis and hungry for an opportunity. And we know how good of a coach Chris Beard is. What uh, what has gone wrong in Arkansas this year? Boy, if I knew, I'd be a <laughs> I, I'd be a candidate for for a big top job. I guess I, I don't know. I, I will tell you this. Um, even though I don't know that they've got the talent to make the turnaround like they have in years past, Eric Musselman's team mm-hmm. always leave you scratching your head. December, and even sometimes in in the beginning of non conference play, it was either last year or the year before um, they lost a home game to Vanderbilt, and you're like, what What is going on with this team? They've got the pieces. But Eric Musselman ends up shortening that rotation, figuring out what lineups work, whether it's going bigger, whether it's going smaller. Um, the frustrating part for Arkansas fans is he made an adjustment to that starting lineup yesterday, and they went down to Georgia. And very good, solid Georgia team that's on the longest win streak since 1947 wow. uh, under Mike White. Um, but they don't overwhelm you with talent. And when you look at what Arkansas has been able to build under Eric Musselman and the way he's been able to recruit to that, you think, hey, we should, even on the road, we should be able to bounce back after getting smacked by Auburn and get that game in Athens. And right now they just haven't been able to to find that recipe because they're not a complicated team offensively. But he gets guys in advantage-disadvantage situations. In years past, guys like Anthony Black, uh, Nick Smith Jr. when he was healthy, those were first-round draft picks, though, that were getting in that space, being able to make something happen. Right now, I don't know how much of that elite talent that I'm seeing on the perimeter uh, of guys that can you know, truly take advantage of that freedom um, and, and spacing that, that Eric Musselman's trying to provide there and, and evidence by just 66 points on the road after a really uh, 
aesthetically unpleasing mm-hmm. game against Auburn at home. We we know Kentucky every year has a, a loaded uh, a roster of talent. It doesn't always work out well for John. Uh, I love the team this year. What do you think of this year's team? Uh, 100%. And as you guys know, not all top freshman classes are created equal. Right. And this one has separated itself. Some guys that you thought were as good as expected, some better than expected. And you got one or two that are, you know, uh, Justin Edwards, who a lot of people thought might be a preseason player of the year candidate. He's struggling out of the gate. But the good news is nobody, you know, it, it's not ruining their season because they were betting on that one freshman to, to carry them. And so uh, Coach Calipari has gone back to his bread and butter, which is I know it's tempting to take transfers now, get old, stay old, but let me just go get the best talent I can, put them on the fast track of, of maturity, and by March my freshmen are going to be so talented, talented and they're going to have the experience of, of your sophomores and juniors based on what they've gone through at Kentucky that we'll be ready to roll. And they are ahead of schedule. Uh, Reed Shepard, um, guy that people wondered, he, he was kind of, I can't say an afterthought, but he wasn't the top of the, of the class, has emerged into a first-round type draft pick with, with his um, just impact on the court. He shoots it, he passes it, he steals it. Um, his plus-minus is just through the roof. They are better when he's on the court, as well as the superstar Dillingham, who's just a spark plug off the bench. So they got two first-rounders projected right now, no guarantees, coming off the bench. And they, they've got their roles, and they, they still have a veteran, uh, Trey Mitchell, uh, and Antonio Reeves that, that helped give that balance. Like you guys have seen in Memphis, those best Calipari teams, you know, it was it was the youthful talent, but then it was the Antonio Andersons of the world as well mm-hmm. to, to hold down the, the veteran uh, fort. So um, I, I do worry, as, as well as they're shooting the ball, um, I do worry a little bit about their one-on-one defense. I, I think they're just okay. And so defensively, um, are they going to put too much pressure on their offense to stay hot is, is what I'd be looking for. When I look at the SEC, I, I feel like it's like Tennessee and Kentucky are at the top in a little group. I feel like maybe Auburn's kind of right behind them in a, their own little spot. And then there's that big group of Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Florida, maybe Georgia's part of that, South Carolina, some unknown stuff. Where's Alabama fit in? Yeah. It's funny you say that. I was speaking with somebody yesterday who, who had just, just that, Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn. I go, yeah, I would agree with that right now. Bruce Pearl doing a great job. They, they don't have an All-American, and he seems to be at his best, which is kind of mid-major guys, chip on their shoulder, and guys that can absorb and execute the game plan. I mean, he can coach with the best of them. I say that, but I'm like, yeah, but which one of those teams is looking forward to playing Alabama? Like, you, <laughs> you, yeah, Alabama will go out there, and, and before you know it, I mean, South Carolina hung in there for a half, and then Alabama just torched them in the second half. And so Alabama might not be necessarily as intimidating as they were a year ago, but um, to me, they're they're still, uh, it's hard for me to put them in in a tier below those other teams. And and Alabama's record of 10 and five is is extremely misleading because they went out there and they were so battle tested that they had one of the toughest schedules as non-conference in the country just came up short in multiple games where they didn't get that quality win. They don't have everybody's attention yet and national respect, but but they're right there and, and NATO's can coach. So I, I would I would put them right there with uh, with Kentucky, Auburn, and, and Tennessee, even if it's uh, if, if it's just a, a hair down below. 
it, it's so early in SEC play, but if you include non-conference and just where they are so far at this point of the season, who would you say the, the leading candidate is for SEC Player of the Year? Um, for somebody that stands out? That, yeah, there's... Um, gosh, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of best player on best team. So if I'm looking at it right now, you know, at Kentucky, it's such an equal opportunity. I think they might cannibalize themselves right, a little right, bit. Uh, right. But, um, you know, look, Reed Shepard has been the most impactful player for Kentucky. Uh, and they, they want the ball in his hands at the end of the game. He doesn't start the game, but he finishes. So if you had to name a player for Kentucky, I lean to Reed Shepard. He's just all over the place. And, and for Tennessee – Right now, as he's getting more and more healthy, you assume he continues playing well. Zakai Ziegler standing out. Um, even though he, he might not be the leading scorer, he's the heartbeat and leader of that team, the head of the snake defensively. Dalton Connect is playing great for Tennessee with his scoring, um, but he, he's not a two-way player yet. He, he just, um, he's got some weaknesses defensively. So I, I would say those two guys are, are really standing out right now on, on their own. What about Jedi Broom? Yeah, Broom, Broom is solid. He, he's really good. And and what he does, too, I mean, they, Auburn was up 53-52 with four minutes to go against Texas A&M. Texas A&M, for the rest of the game, all they didn't make another field goal. All they did was make three free throws for the rest of the game. And they were able to close games out defensively because of the ball pressure on the perimeter. And my point there on Broom is, they can put so much pressure on the perimeter because Broom is their cleanup guy, and he can clean it up on the back line. Terrific instincts. Cool story on him. This is a guy that was like five ten when he was a sophomore. And then <laughs> oh wow! Just, <laughs> so he was playing. He was playing guard and point guard his whole life. You look at all his instincts, you know, and and he's. I don't want to call him finesse because that sounds soft, but he's not just an overly physical guy down low. He, he looks like a tall guard playing down low, and that's why. And so he, he's got great great instincts and timing both offensively and de- defensively so um but kind of a surprise there my preseason play of the year like a lot of people was Wade Taylor down at Texas A&M um and, and he is I, I'm rooting for him to to get his shot going because he has been in a shooting slump and that's a big reason why Texas A&M right now is um you know they're they're not a head scratcher like Arkansas is they're they're nine and six and zero and two in the league but but it does make you worry a little bit uh, when their superstar back uh, in the backcourt is, is going to get things going. Yeah, Taylor's averaging 17 a game, but like you said, his shot is not there. He's not shooting a high percentage. He's not knocking down his threes at a high percentage. How about the Mark Sears kid at Alabama? Yeah, he's if if they get up there and, and, and surpass Tennessee, Kentucky, there, there's no question. If you go for the best player on best team motto, Mark Sears. And um, he, he's a fun story just because – you know, he, he overlooked by Power Five teams. Always wanted to to go to somewhere like Alabama. Goes the route of, of Ohio and comes in. He's just a, an absolute gym rat. And he, but he wasn't a transfer that just came in and lit the world on fire. He, he kind of played a, a supporting cast position um, when when he arrived in Tuscaloosa. But now the ball is in his hands, and and man, he is just so good with the ball. Always the aggressor, um, a lefty that can shoot it really from anywhere, and and a and the NATO style point guard that you want to see. And so he's, I don't know that he'll be player of the year, but if you ask me who's the most exciting player to watch in the SEC, he would be in my short list. Going back to, to Ole Miss, as you were on that call against the game of Tennessee, and I don't know how much you got a chance to, to talk with Chris Beard. Obviously, do your radio. 
do you feel like Ole Miss can hold on to Chris Beard for a while? I do, um, because in, in years past, you know, what, what was the ceiling at a, at a place like Ole Miss? Well, now with the commitment that the SEC has had to basketball, I mean, you can go to where you want to go at a place like Ole Miss. And, and NIL, you know, of course, mm-hmm. is that going to, are they going to have the resources to support a guy like Chris Beard? I think they will. And um, because when you're Ole Miss, you, you don't, you don't want to lose this opportunity on a guy like that. And similar to what Auburn did when mm-hmm. Bruce Pearl got let go at Tennessee, at a place like Auburn and Ole Miss that lacks the basketball history, you guys know you, you gotta you gotta take a chance on a second chance yep. coach and and then do your best to keep them. And I think you look at a Bruce Pearl that was able to go to a Final Four with Auburn. Auburn's been a top twenty five team year in, year out. And yeah, are you gonna maybe miss out on some recruits to the Blue Bloods like Kentucky, North Carolina? Yeah, but that that could happen anywhere if you were at Tennessee or anywhere other than Kentucky, North Carolina. <laughs> so right. Kansas. And um but I, I think and Chris Beard, look, he got to a national championship at Texas Tech. So I don't think he's gonna look at Ole Miss and say, I can't be a national championship yep. coach here. Maybe it's harder, but if he did it at Texas Tech, why not uh at Ole Miss? Absolutely. Great stuff as always, Dane. He's Dane Bradshaw, SEC Network basketball analyst, former White Station High School standout, Tennessee Vol star. You can follow him on Twitter at Dane Bradshaw. Hope the family's doing well, Dane. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Take care. Well, James Gaddis Jewelers is the second-hour sponsor of Sports 56 Mornings. You know them, don't you? I mean, if you listen to the show, I talk about them every single day. Just a terrific locally owned family operated company that uh, provides incredible jewelry and valentine's day is right around the corner basically a month away so you're thinking about getting uh, that special someone something extremely special well you head on over to james gaddis jewelers they have the experts to help you pick out the right piece of jewelry also if you're looking to get engaged over valentine's day or anytime this year they are your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters They've been serving Memphians and Mid-Southerners for about a quarter of this quarter century in that East Memphis location on Poplar Avenue. Before that, they were on Summer Avenue, so they've been a part of the fabric of this community for decades and decades. They are full-service jewelers with two bench jewelers ready to serve you. All their diamonds are independently graded and certified. They know there's a lot of competition out there, so they have a price point to suit everyone's budget. There's a lot of choices out there, right? And certainly, if you're going to buy something like a diamond engagement ring, you want to make sure you're getting the best deal. So check out all, you know, as many jewelry stores as you like, uh, even the big box stores, if that's the way you want to go. But make sure James Gaddis Jewelers is one of the jewelers to talk to. And again, you get that one-on-one with James and the great folks there at James Gaddis Jewelers. They will help you pick out the the right rock or whatever that jewelry is that you're looking at, possibly watches. Maybe you're looking for a beautiful bracelet or necklace, earrings or pendants. And they take care of the jewelry throughout the lifetime of the jewelry. You need a cleaning, bring it on in. You need a resetting because you know, your finger has shrunk or gotten bigger. I mean, it, it happens. They can take care of that as well. James Gaddis Jewelers. Full-service jewelers, 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick, and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. All right, we'll get back to Belichick and Saban when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. We will get back to Tigers basketball talk in hour number three. Parthu Pajai will join us, Memphis Tigers beat writer for the Daily Memphian. That'll be at 9.05. We'll get into the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, a little bit later on in hour three as well, but back to uh, the big story and and stories, I should say. It's been a crazy week with coaching news. I said this to start the show today. For those who are up with us, uh, you'll be hearing it again. For those who are just tuning in, I, I just want to reemphasize this point. Pete Carroll was let go by Seattle, although he'll stay and he'll help out in an advisory role. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe he'll get an offer to become a head coach somewhere else. But my point is that Pete Carroll is one of three coaches in history to win an NCAA title and a Super Bowl. And he is an afterthought when the Nick Saban news came down and now the Bill Belichick news, which again is not official official, but it's going to happen. There'll be a press conference, I believe it'll be at noon, where Belichick supposedly will speak. He doesn't speak too much. <laughs> The curmudgeon doesn't say much, but there's no mistake in what he has done as a coach. And Robert Kraft as well. A mutual parting of the ways, as uh, many have reported on this morning. You're talking about a guy who won six Super Bowls as the coach of the Patriots in 24 years. And then Nick Saban, you're talking about a guy who won seven national titles, six with Alabama in 17 seasons. My question to you is, Who's the more accomplished coach and whose shoes are going to be harder to fill for the next coach at their respective jobs? Well, Alabama is the uh, – Saban is the certainly harder to replace because okay. it's, it's about – I mean, he – a big part of the success – um, has just been a, he just out recruits everybody <laughs> like they just year after year after year have uh, you know, been a top two or three recruiting class and gets the best talent. I've so continuing to be able to do that. I mean the Patriots we've seen it drop off since Brady left. That's not necessarily built. It's just it is what it is. It's you. It's about the front office and everybody else getting players mm-hmm. and getting a quarterback they've got to try and get. You know then it's. You know, in college, it's every single year you're bringing in new guys. In the NFL, you're committed to guys. You've got salary cap, all of that stuff. There's, it's just, it's hard to to maintain it. But it's already dropped off before Belichick's even left because that's just the way it is in the NFL. I agree with that. But who is the more accomplished coach? Uh, I would. I mean, it's. I would probably say Belichick, just because. Um, Again, when you're dealing with the way you have to do it in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the salary cap, everything else, you don't get to just go recruit the best players every single year. 
um, to be able to do what they've done and su- sustain the success over the period of time that they've done it. Um, you know, beyond the wins in the Super Bowl, the other, you know, the other trips to the Super Bowl, everything else, where they dominated their division, everything else, I would, I would say Belichick. Um, what he's done at New England is the better accomplishment. Yeah, the argument is from the people that feel that Belichick wasn't the major part of this of this Patriots dynasty. It was Brady. But again, hearing the former players who have already spoken today on Belichick's behalf, not the Belichick, Belichick asked them to speak on him, uh, but they've come out and they have talked about Belichick and what he has meant to them personally, what he has meant to the organization, and what he has meant to the NFL. And there is no question that there's not even a doubt in their mind that he is the GOAT. It's just, it happened to be, it's like getting all those great ingredients and putting them together and to concoct a unbelievable cake or some kind of, uh, of dish, just great, great food. And you put all the ingredients together and it works. Well, the ingredients here are a lot of Bill Belichick and a lot of Tom Brady and others that certainly played their part and their roles uh, during the Patriots dynasty. I, I don't see that dynasty happening again anywhere. I just don't I don't see it. Uh, six titles in, in his 24 years is incredible. But again, I don't see what Nick Saban's accomplished happening again. Another coach to win seven national titles, six in one institution in 17 years. That's why this is just, it's unreal the 48 hours or so, less than that, really, with the Saban news and Belichick news is less than 24 hours. But all the news, even the Pete Carroll news, again, Carroll, what he's accomplished is pretty incredible. But it pales in comparison to when you're talking about the GOAT of college football coaching and the GOAT of NFL coaching. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see if Belichick tries to coach next season. Um, if he if he wants to go somewhere and continue coaching right away, or if he takes some time off. But I do think Belichick, without question, will coach again. I, I don't know if you want to. At his age, he's sixty-one. No, sorry, he's seventy-one. Saban seventy-two. I don't know if you want to take a year off. And there's going to be suitors. Uh, I, I again, these are the the so-called experts kind of throwing it around. The idea is they think Atlanta could be the best job possibility, and Atlanta and Arthur Blank are very interested in Belichick. What they have to do is figure out the quarterback situation. But they got receivers, they got a tight end, they got some running backs, B. John Robinson. They got some decent players on defense. Others would say it's the Chargers. The Chargers have the quarterback in Justin Herbert, but they also have issues with the cap. So there's two. Um, you know, Washington is a rebuild. With Belichick, he needs to go into a situation where they have a chance to win right away. He he doesn't have the time to sit around and 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 be a part of a rebuild with a team. And remember, every team that made a coaching change this year, which it normally is, had a losing record, with the exception, the exception of the Seattle Seahawks, who had a winning record, and now Carroll's gone. Now the talk is that. Seattle's going to go after their guy, Dan Quinn, who was the defensive coordinator for Pete Carroll when they won a Super Bowl. So it makes a lot of sense that it could be Dan Quinn. But with the Patriots, it seems like it's two names. It's Mike Vrabel or it's Gerard Mayo. 
And I'm reading a lot about Mayo, who's there right now, may have the inside track as to the next head coach. You talk about shoes that you have to fill, big shoes. These are Grand Canyon-sized shoes in New England and in Tuscaloosa. And again, with Nick Saban, I don't know if he's going to speak at any time, but you just wonder if it is what people have basically theorized and that he is just frustrated with the game of football and everything. Not the game, not the X's and O's, but everything that coincides with the game. The NIL, the transfer portal, maybe not against it, but just the issues it brings up. And really now it's all about money. Who has the most money? I also, I I will not be shocked at all if in a couple of years we see Nick Saban as a head coach of the NFL. Really? I don't think he'll coach college again, but I I could absolutely see the bug getting him, and he still just looks back at that NFL experience and says, I want one more shot. I would be stunned. How about they do the old switcheroo? Belichick, new coach at Alabama. Nick Saban takes over I, in New I England. I actually know somebody who said that that would that like a, Get out of here. a week ago that that's what that Saban was going to retire. And they were going to hire Bill Belichick. And I said, Bill Be- Bill Belichick coaching college football. <laughs> I mean, he I, I, that that you talk about something that I just that would when like say nothing would shock me. Bill Belichick as a coach in college football would be the most shocking thing I think in the history of mankind. Can you imagine Belichick in uh, somebody's living room talking to the mom and dad of a recruit? And... But I I absolutely could see Nick Saban thinking, like, you know what? I don't want to do all the recruiting and all that stuff, but I still want to coach. And I want to prove to myself and others that that I could do that NFL thing. And again, we go back. If they had, if Drew Brees, if they had okay Brees' shoulder and Miami signs Drew Brees, we have no idea what would have ended up happening. He may never, probably wouldn't have gone to Alabama. Who knows what the history, what history would indicate if they had just signed Drew Brees instead of Dante Culpepper. But, um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him still have that bug. And again, I don't think it'd be at the college level again, but I could see it in the NFL. I'll give you some love if that happens. That would really surprise me. All right, we'll take a break. Hour two in the books. What a morning it has been. Coming up in hour number three, we open up. Returning to our Tigers basketball conversation, but we'll be joined by an insider, Parth Upajai, Memphis Tigers basketball beat writer for the Daily Memphian. That's coming up next at hour number three. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 